0: Book Two, Chapter Five of The Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Book Two, Chapter Five. Mrs. Malcolmson had made her way over to where Evadney and Mrs. Beale were sitting. Both welcomed her cordially, and Evadney in particular brightened visibly when she saw her approach. She was wearied by these vapid men, who had all said the same thing, and looked at her with the same expression, one after the other, the whole afternoon. Mrs. Sillinger and Mr. Price were also of the party, and Mrs. Malcolmson, in a merry mood, was holding forth brightly when Mr. St. John joined them. "'Oh, yes, we have our award, we Englishwomen,' she was saying. "'We religiously obey our men. "'We do nothing of which they disapprove. "'We are the meekest sheep in the world. "'We scorn your independent, outspoken American women, Mr. Price. "'We think them bold and unwomanly "'and do all we can to be as unlike them as possible. "'And what happens?' Do our men adore us? Well, they continue to say so. But it is the Americans they marry. Mr. Price twitched his nose and smiled. But tell me, Mr. Price, Mrs. Malcolmson rattled on, the fate of nations has hung upon your opinion and your decisions are matter of history. So kindly condescend of your goodness and of your wisdom to tell us if you think that true womanliness is endangered by our occupations or the cut of our clothes i have it she broke off clasping her hands make us a speech do oh yes do the rest exclaimed simultaneously mr price's mobile countenance twitched all over he looked from one to the other then entering good-humouredly into the jest he struck an attitude. If true womanliness has been endangered by occupation or the fashion of a frock in the past, it will not be so much longer, or the signs of the times are most misleading, he began with the ease of an orator. The old ideals are changing, and we regret them, not for their value, for they were often mischievous enough, but as a sign of change to which in itself. "'Mankind has an ineradicable objection. "'Yet these changes must take place "'if we are ever to progress. "'For myself,' he continued, "'I should be very sorry to say "'that anything which honourable women of the day "'consider a reform and propose to adopt "'is unwomanly or unsexing "'until it has been thoroughly tried "'and proved to be so. "'It sounds mere idiocy. The thing is so obvious when one reduces it to words, but yet neither men nor women themselves, for the most part, seem to recognize the fact that womanliness is a matter of sex, not of circumstances, occupation, or clothing. And each sex has instincts and proclivities which are peculiar to it and do not differ to any remarkable extent, even in the most diverse characters from which we may be sure that those instincts are safe whatever happens. And as to the value of cherished ideals of womankind, well, we only have to look back at many of the old ones, which had to be abandoned and have been held up to the laughter and contempt of succeeding ages, although doubtless they were dear enough to the heart of men in their own day to appreciate the worth of such. That little incident of Jane Austen, hiding away the precious manuscript she was engaged upon under her plain sewing when visitors arrived ashamed to be caught at the unwomanly occupation of writing romances and shrinking with positive pain from the remarks which such poor foolish people as those she feared would have made about her that little incident alone which i remarked very early in life has saved me from braying with the rest of the world upon this subject If all those brave women, sure of themselves and of their message, who have written in the face of all opposition, had not dared to do so, how much the poorer and meaner and worse we should all, men and women alike, have been today for want of the nourishment of strength and goodness with which they have kept us provided. And you will find it so in these questions of our day. Women are bringing a storm about their ears, but they are prepared for that, and it will not deter them, for they have an infallible prescience in these matters, which men have not, and they know what they are doing and why, and could make their motives plain to us if it were not for our own stupid prejudices and density. Ah, these are critical times, but I believe what a fellow countryman of mine has already written, i believe that the women will save us i do not fear the fate of the older peoples i am sure that we shall not fall into nothingness from the present height of our civilization, by reason of our sensuality and vice as all the great nations have done heretofore the women will rebel the women will not allow it but he added with his benign smile dropping into a lighter tone as if he felt that he had been more serious than the occasion warranted, and addressing Mrs. Malcolmson especially, "'But you must not despise your personal appearance. Beauty is a great power, and it may be used for good as well as for evil. Beauty is beneficent as well as malign. Angels are always allowed to be beautiful, and our highest ideal of manhood is associated with physical as well as moral perfection. Yes.' "'Be sure that beauty is a legitimate means of grace, "'and I will venture to suggest that you who have it should use it as such.' "'Here,' he was interrupted by applause. "'True beauty, I mean, of course,' he added, "'descending from the rostrum, as it were, and speaking colloquially. "'Not the fashionable travesty of it.' "'Well, that is a piece of civility I have never been so graded as to practise. "'Mrs. Malcolmson exclaimed. "'Ah, my dear, it does not do to be singular,' "'Mrs. Beale mildly remonstrated. "'A dance concluded just at this moment, "'and Edith joined the group, "'followed by Sir Moseley Menteith. "'The ladies looked at her as she approached "'with affectionate interest and admiration. "'I am always conscious of their presence,' "'she was saying. "'Whose presence, dear?' her mother asked the presence of those who love us mother in the other life she said looking out into space with great serious eyes as if she saw something grand and beautiful and also love inspiring the words and her presence changed the whole mental attitude of the group the intellectual element subsided the spiritual which trenches on sensation and is warm began to glow in their breasts Edith was the actor now, and Mrs. Malcolmson became a mere spectator. Mr. St. John was the first to appreciate the change. Edith's presence, more than her words, was enough in itself to relax the tension of pained reflection which had possessed him the whole afternoon. It was as if a draught of the sacred anodyne to which he had been so long accustomed were being held out to him, and he had drained it eagerly, "'to excite feeling, and to drown thought. Mosley does not think they are so near us as I know them to be,' Edith pursued. "'But I tell him, if only he would allow himself, "'he would perceive their presence just as I do. "'He says this scene is so worldly it would frighten them. "'But I answer that they cannot be frightened. "'They are incorruptible, "'so that there is nothing for them to fear for themselves.' But they may fear for us and when they do we know that it is then that they are nearest to us they come to guard us menteith's glance wandered over her person as she spoke and returned again to meet her eyes he quite enjoyed a thrill of superstitious awe it was an excellent sauce piquant to what he called his sentiments by which he meant the state of his senses at the moment He recognised in Edith no higher quality than that of innocence, which is so appetising. But a gentle thrill, as of an electric shock, had passed through them all, silencing them. Mrs Beale, with a sigh, released herself from the uneasy impression Mrs. Malcolmson's words had made upon her, and felt the peace of mind, which she managed to preserve by refusing to know of anything that might disturb it, and rouse her soul from its apathetic calm to the harassing point of action, restored. Mrs. Sillinger gave herself up for the moment also. Her fine nature, although highly tempered and exceedingly sensitive, was too broad to allow her to delude herself by imagining that it is right to countenance evil by ignoring it. She shrank from knowledge, but still she had the courage to possess herself of it. Unfortunately, her very sensitiveness enabled her to turn with ease from the consideration of terrible facts to the enjoyment of a fine idea. Mrs. Malcolmson and Mr. Austin Price looked at each other involuntarily. The new element was not congenial to either of them, but Mr. St. John was satisfied. His heart had expanded to the full. Mr. Price is wrong mrs malcolmson is wrong was the new measure to which he set his thoughts they exaggerated the evil they have never perceived in what the good consists and what do they do with all their wondrous clever talk they withdraw our attention from the contemplation of holy things only to pain and excite us for sin must continue and suffering must continue and we can do no more than we have done example a good example We have only each to set one and say nothing. Talk, talk, talk. I will listen no more to such tattle. It is mere pride of intellect which is put to shame by the first gentle, innocent girl who comes, strong in purity and faith, and simply bids us all look up. Did not our heart burn within us? Was not the worst among us and the most worldly moved to repent? He looked across at Menteith but suddenly the exaltation ceased and his soul shot with a pang to another extreme he is not worthy of her he is not worthy of her no no heaven help me to save her from such a fate his mind had been nourished upon inconsistencies and he was as unconscious of any now as he was when he preached as he had been taught that god orders all things for the best and at the same time prayed him to avert some special catastrophe. Menteith was bending over Edith. I want to lunch with you tomorrow, he said. Do let me. I love to hear you talk. Just to be near you makes a better man of me. But you can make anything you like of me. You know you can. May I come? Edith glanced up at him and smiled, and the young man, taking this for acquiescence, bowed and withdrew in triumph making way for Colonel Cahoon. Evadne looked up at the latter and smiled too. Shall we go? she said. I came to see if you were ready, he answered, and then she rose, took leave of the friends about her, crossed the deck to where Captain Belliot, her host, was standing, shook hands with him, and left the ship. Many eyes had followed her with curiosity and interest, and many tongues made remarks about her when she was gone, expressing positive opinions with the confident conceit of mediocrity, although she had not at that time made any sign of what manner of person she really was. She had only been a week amongst them, and her mind had been in a state of passive receptivity the whole time, subject to the impressions which might be made upon it, but not itself producing any. It was her appearance that they presumed to judge her by, but her intellect had been both nourished and stimulated that afternoon, and when she went to her room that night, she hunted up a manuscript book suitable for the purpose and resumed her old habit of noting everything of interest which she had seen and heard. There were blank pages still in the old commonplace book, and she had it with her, but she never dreamt of making another note in it she had written her last there once for all the night before her wedding expecting to enter upon a new phase of existence and she had indeed entered upon a new phase although not at all in the way she had expected and now she felt that only a new volume would be appropriate to contain the record of it she ended her notes that night with a maxim which probably contained all the wisdom she had been able to extract from her late experiences Just do a thing and don't talk about it, she wrote, expressing herself colloquially. This is the great secret of success in all enterprises. Talk means discussion. Discussion means irritation. Irritation means opposition. And opposition means hindrance always, whether you are right or wrong. End of chapter five.